Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 and verse 46. Then Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued, until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them, carried up into heaven. <coughs> and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Well, as Pastor Lucas said, today is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, for me, this is a very special Pentecost Sunday. Well, give or take a couple of weeks. But 50 years ago, well, that sounds old. 50 years ago, I was mightily, mightily baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, for hours upon hours, experiencing the, the presence of God, being just lost in God's presence, even for days, sensing God's power and anointing upon me. Praise the Lord. I was, at the time, still had an A-level in uh, AS, no, a special paper in chemistry to do. I don't know how I did that, but wow, I was enjoying the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord, all those years ago. And, and I sensed his call, senses that he was wanting to use me for his service. It all began with that mighty filling, mighty baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I can't stress enough, not only from my own experience, but from the Bible, the importance of the Holy Spirit. The importance of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes in some circles, the Holy Spirit is sort of, he's almost sidelined. He's almost treated as an it or a thing or a force. He's not. He's the person, the third person of the Godhead. The three that are one. Just as we're three parts but one, body, soul, and spirit. But we're one being. Just like when you turn on the tap this morning and water came out. It can be water as liquid or it can be ice or it can be steam. It's always H2O. It's always water. God is three. Hallelujah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, and we get to know him a bit more in John's Gospel. We haven't time to do a full-on Bible study, but if you read from John 14 and John 15 and John 16, you find there that the Lord Jesus introduces his disciples to the Holy Spirit. He says, when he comes, it's going to be just like having me with you. I will not leave you orphans, he says. <coughs> I will come to you. Wow, having the Holy Spirit is like having Jesus. You ever wondered, wow, would it, what would it be like 2,000 years ago to actually walk where the disciples walked? To, to know Jesus, to have him walking beside you. Well, the good news is we can through the Holy Spirit. We can through the Holy Spirit. He's, he's the one who walks beside us. The Greek word that's used for him is the, the paraclete or parakletos, the, the word para by the side of. He's the one who comes alongside us. 
He's with us all of the time. Depending on which version of the Bible you have, you'll be described as the, the comforter, the counselor, the helper. Well, the fact is, he's all of these things. The comforter, the one who makes us strong. The counselor who guides us into all truth. The helper who's always with us to help us in, to live the Christian life and be a witness for Jesus. The Holy Spirit, we need him. We need him. He is God with us. The Spirit of truth who glorifies Jesus and empowers us to live this life. So no wonder when Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the text I've just read, he says, look, wait. Don't rush off. Don't try and be witnesses in your own strength because you'll fall flat on your face. You'll fail. No, wait. Wait until you're endued. And that word endued means literally clothed with power from on high. Now we have interchangeable words for that. We, we talk also of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Being immersed in the Holy Spirit. I think in a few weeks' time, you, if I'm right, you can have a baptismal service. You know, and, the, and, and when we baptize people, we don't just put a little bit of water on them. We, we you know, dunk them. You know, I remember in the days in Putland, France, we were in baptisms at one time every month for a few years. And, but, you know, you'd have some strong lads, or some of the, could be very involved with Team Challenge, and some of the Team Challenge lads, they'd be really strong. You have to really give them an extra push. You know, I think, you're not going to keep any of your hair dry. You're going under. You know, it's a baptism. It's an immersion in the Holy Spirit. That's one expression Jesus said. You know, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then another expression, being filled, being filled to overflowing, being filled with the Spirit. In Acts 2, as we read earlier, it says they were filled with the Spirit. These are all interchangeable, being clothed, being immersed, being baptized, being filled, ah, being anointed. There's all kinds of expressions. It's all one and the same. Holy Spirit, we need him. We need him. And Jesus said, look, you've you got to wait until you're endued with power from on high. We catch the importance of that even as you go through the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, if you want to follow it with me, we go to Acts chapter 4. You know, in Acts chapter 4, the, the lame man has been healed. Wow, that's an amazing thing. You know, as an aside, something I heard recently was, the miracles of Jesus, 99% of them, do you know where they took place? They took place amongst unbelievers. Maybe healing of Peter's mother-in-law, but there's not many where it was with the, the immediate group. It was outside, it was outside, it's out there that the healings took place. Uh, and uh, I'm digressing a little now, but... While I think of it, I want to say it. That's where we need to be out there praying for the sick. Friends, neighbors, relatives, people you work with, study with, whatever. When they're sick, praying for them. That's where the miracles take place. That's where Jesus performed 99% of his miracles. Wow. Anyway, that was an aside, but you can think about that one. Wow. In Acts chapter 4, they'd seen the healing of the lame man at the beautiful gate and and the religious authorities were very upset. 
that they were preaching in the name of Jesus, that name we've been singing about this morning. And so they arrested Peter and John and threatened them and said, you mustn't preach or teach anymore in that name. And they roughed them up and beat them up a bit and, and said, you mustn't do that. And Peter and John are released. And of course, they're praising God that they suffered for the name of Jesus. Then they get back to the church and they share that with the church. You know, wow, we've been threatened. We've been told this. What are we going to do? And so they pray in Acts chapter 4, uh, verse they pray. Let me find it. Great, if I could read my own writing. Acts chapter 4 and verse 23. I have to get modern like Pastor Luke can use an iPad. And <laughs> verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companies and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them, when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with what I call and said, Lord, you are God, and made heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. And so they pray, they quote scripture, and they tell God what's happening, verse 27. And then they say, verse 29, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal <clears throat> that signs and wonders may be done. To the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Wow, that was their prayer. What's God's response to that prayer? What does God do? His church, this infant church is being threatened. But what does God do? Read verse 31. And when they prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Wow, God's response to his church being threatened was to fill them again, or some of them for the first time, fill them with the Holy Spirit. God's response is, hey, you need the helper. You need the comforter. You need to be endued again. You need to be empowered again with the Holy Spirit. Wow, we need to see that. You know, in this world, oh, I'm a bit shy, I'm a bit afraid, I'm a bit this, I'm a bit that. You know, people are ridiculous. There's all this politically correct stuff. And you uh, Hey, God's answer is, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. You know, moving on, we're going to quickly go journey through Acts. Acts chapter 8. The persecution does start and the church is scattered. And some people say, well, actually, maybe God intended that because the church, he said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the Adamant's part of the earth. And they were really just hanging around Jerusalem. And God said, well, okay. We'll have to stir things up a bit. We'll have to stir the nest up a bit because you need to get out. Sometimes God does that. And so they, they scatter and Philip goes to Samaria, a city in Samaria, and he begins to preach Jesus. Well, his message is a good message. He preaches Jesus. He preaches the kingdom of God. And, and the sick are healed. Notice that again. Maybe that's how he started. He saw some sick person, prayed for them, and soon that caused a stir, and people are coming and asking questions, and he starts preaching, and, and, and lots of people get saved. So we get to verse, Acts 8, verse 12, and when they believed, Philip, so the believers, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Wow. You think, well, that's good job done. They got saved. They've been baptized. 
wow, that's it, they've arrived. But when the apostles heard about it, what did they do? The apostles of Jerusalem, verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice that. The reaction of the apostles was what? Great news from Samaria. Great people are getting saved. Great, they've been baptized on confession of their faith. They've been baptized in water. But that's not enough. They need to be filled. They need to be endued with power. They need the Holy Spirit. That's the reaction of the early church. And we see here the importance, as far as they're concerned, of the Holy Spirit. Move on. Acts chapter 9. The conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Hell, he's a great persecutor of the church. You know, people ask me, how, how do you know the resurrection? Sure, I say, you know, many reasons, but one of them is Saul got saved. Because anyone who's out to try and disprove Christianity and disprove the resurrection, it was Saul of Tarsus. But what happens is on the Damascus road, he meets the risen Jesus. He is a voice from heaven. He falls from his horse. He's blinded. And he cries, and, God, and the Lord says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? He surrenders his life to Jesus Christ. Wow, the Damascus Road conversion. He think, wow, wow, that was powerful. But he still needed the Holy Spirit. He still needed the Holy Spirit. He goes into Damascus. And there in Damascus, God speaks to a disciple, I think he's very brave, called Ananias. He says, Ananias, I want you to go to the street called Straight and pray for one called Saul. Oh, Lord, he's a persecutor. I'm, that's like my death warrant. I'll get arrested. I'll, I'll die. You know, it's, but he's brave. He listens. Let's just read it. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Acts 9, verse 15. And the Lord said to, to Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I'll show him many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, wow, two amazing words here, brother Saul. This is a person who's been persecuting Christians, arresting Christians, killing Christians. Maybe even Ananias' own relatives, who knows? But this man Ananias, I see such love, such forgiveness. He says, brother, Saul. Wow. Meditate on that. Think of that. The courage, the, 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 the heart of love and forgiveness. It enables him to say, brother, Saul. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirits. Wow, even this, even though he had a Damascus road conversion, he still needed the Holy Spirit. He still needed the Holy Spirit. I want you to see that. Acts chapter 10. Wow. Peter is given a vision. He's on a rooftop waiting for lunch and he gets a vision. There's lots of unclean things in a blanket. And, ooh, and God says, 
the Lord speaks to us, rise and eat. And he says, I can't eat those. They're unclean. I don't eat pork and stuff like that. And, and, and uh, yeah, ah, yuck. But as far as he was concerned, as a, a Jew, but God says, what I have cleaned, don't you call unclean. This is repeated three times. So eventually the penny drops. Peter gets the message. And just then, some de- a delegation from the house of Cornelius arrives where Peter is. Now, Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He's a Gentile. But a Gentile who loved God, who feared God. A Gentile who, who cared for the poor. A Gentile who was generous, it says. And, and so Peter goes with this delegation and arrives at the house of Cornelius. And Peter begins to share with them the message that, a bit like he shared on the day of Pentecost, the Pastor Luke outlined earlier. He shares a message with the house of Cornelius. And, and there they are, they say, yeah, yeah, we believe that, we believe that. And this is what we read in Acts chapter 10. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, what happened? The Holy Spirit fell upon them. On all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that they should not be baptized who received the Holy Spirit just like we did? Wow, are you getting this? Wow, the Holy Spirit. God didn't wait for Peter because he thought, you might, I can't be sure that Peter will pray for them because they're Gentiles, so I'll just intervene anyway. Bang, they're filled, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, one more example. Acts chapter 19. Saul, who's now called Paul, Paul the Apostle. Acts 19, he arrives at Ephesus. 19, Acts 19, verse 2. And he said to them, Did ye receive the Holy Spirit when ye believed? Well, we haven't heard about that. We haven't heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We've heard about John and John's baptism. So verse 4, Paul said, John indeed baptized with baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. When Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Oh, I want you to see again and again and again the importance, the priority in the early church of praying for new converts, new believers to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wow, he's so important. He's so important. We can't live this Christian life without him. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says, when I try to live this Christian life, the good things I want to do, I don't do. And the bad things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Romans 7. (coughs) You get to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who in Christ Jesus 
who no longer walk after the flesh, but who walk after the Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, the secret to victorious Christian living isn't to try and get more religious, isn't trying to have more rules and regulations, isn't trying to beat yourself up when you get things wrong. The secret to living a victorious Christian life is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who will guide us into all truth, who will help us. Amen. So you say, well, if, if that's the priority, then how do I receive? How do I receive the Holy Spirit? And how do I keep on receiving, by the way? Because it's not a one-off experience. I said at the beginning, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit 50 years ago. Was that a one-off experience? It was powerful, no doubt about it. But over the, well, even weeks later, I had to learn to keep on receiving, keep on drinking in, keep on living in that anointing, knowing to spend time in fasting and prayer and desiring God. That's become part of my life because I need constantly the Holy Spirit. So it's not a one-off. It's an ongoing. Be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. So how do you receive? Or, and we can learn from it also how you keep on receiving. So it's something for all of us. So how did 120 receive on the day of Pentecost? That's a good starting point. You know, whenever you're studying anything in Scripture, go back to the first reference. That's a good theological rule. Go back to the law. It's the law of first reference. You'll learn a lot more about something from its first reference. If you want to study what should church be like, go back to Acts chapter 2. Just like Pastor Luke read this morning. What did they do? What were they devoted to? That gives you the, what it was meant to be like in its original uh, birth and conception. So that's what we're to do. Okay. So let's go back. 120 out of day. Well, back our text is a good starting point. Luke 24. So what did they do? It says he blessed them. He ascended to heaven. Verse 52. Luke 24, verse 52. Here's some great keys to, to receiving and keep on receiving the Holy Spirit. They worshipped him. They worshipped him. Wow, worship. You know, we draw near to God. He draws near to us. Simple as that. Now, when we use the word worship, we're not just sing, speaking of just, oh, I, I came and sang a few songs. Yes, that's part of worship. But you can be religious and sing songs. Worship is the yielding of our hearts. The submission of our lives, the surrender of our lives in worship and adoration of a king. Hallelujah. It's loving God, as the first commandment says that Jesus gave, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Worship, a total surrender of ourselves, presenting ourselves a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, says Romans 12, which is our spiritual worship. Worship. So worship Him. In John 4, Jesus said to the woman at the well, He says, The day is coming now is when the true worshippers shall worship in spirit and in truth. For God is spirit, and those who worship Him 
must worship him in spirit and in truth. Wow. God's looking for worshipers. When we worship him, we abandon ourselves to worship him. Nothing okay, we'll sing this song and finish, sit down, that will be it. No! Worship means you forget about time. Like Acts 13, you forget about time, you just minister to God and worship him. That's how you can receive. If you're a worshiper, you'll have no problem receiving the Holy Spirit. Praise! It says here in Acts, in Luke 24, 52, they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple. Notice the word continually. In the temple, praising and blessing God. Praising, praise, praising God, declaring his greatness. Wow, you're amazing, you're wonderful. Praising the Lord. You know, it says in Psalm 22 and verse 3, it says, God, in the old King James, it says, God inhabits the praises of his people. God comes and dwells where his people are praising him. So it makes sense if you're praising here, you're in a place to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because God comes. So you're worshipping, you're praising. And they're also blessing God. It's much the same sort of thing. But blessing is like just, just thanking God and, and, and just saying, thank you, Lord. You're so faithful. You're so wonderful. You're so good to me. It's, it's, he's blessed us. I'm going to bless him back and honor him. Honoring God and glorying in God. Blessing and honor, glory and praise be unto him. It's that kind of thing. Wow. So if you're, you're worshiping, you're praising, you're blessing, thanking. Wow, you're creating an environment where God will just come and invade your life and fill you, empower you with the Holy Spirit. Then another feature as we move to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse uh, 14 it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. These all continued with one accord in prayer. What kind of prayer? Because they're praying for a load of requests. They said, God, we've got a shopping list here. Would you like to? No, 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 no. I believe it was expectant prayer. You see, the Lord had given them a promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. In fact, back in Luke 24, it says they worshipped him with great joy. There was great expectancy, great joy. I believe they're saying, Lord, your promise, we're praying for your promise. Wow, so often we as Christians, we have a promise from God and we just put it on the mantelpiece and forget about it. The idea when you have a promise from God is you pray over it and, and you believe over it and you fast over it and it actually happens. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Great joy. You know, this platinum jubilee, imagine it. Queen Elizabeth, Her Majesty, said, on my platinum jubilee, I'm going to give you a gift. Wow. Now, when royalty gives you a gift, they're not going to give you, you know, something from the uh, pound shop. They're going to give you something worth having. If you have this letter, You've had a letter from Queen Elizabeth, you know, and you're waiting on that oh, this weekend and you're waiting for the, the, the person from Buckingham Palace or Windsor to come, you know, special royal delivery, specially brought to you. And somebody all dressed up in those posh uniforms, you know, comes knocking on your door and the whole street, everyone's got their curtains drawn. Wow, <laughs> what's going on in that house? That's a gift from the Queen. 
Wouldn't you be a little bit excited? Wouldn't you be a bit, wow, wow, me, a gift from the queen, wow. You know, even though I'm in the letter and waiting for it, you'd be excited. There would be a sense of anticipation and joy, expectancy. Wow, if that's the, uh, an earthly monarch, how much more the king of kings? His promise is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says in Luke, he said, if you as earthly parents know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And notice it's a gift. You haven't got to work for it. You haven't got to earn it. It's a gift from the King of Kings. Hallelujah. No wonder we should ask for joy. No wonder our praying should be with expectancy. Praise the Lord. So prayer. And they prayed. They said they were one accord when they prayed. There was great unity. There wasn't any hmm, jealousy or envy or bitterness or unforgiveness. No, they're one accord. Oh, don't ever let any of those things get in the way of receiving the Holy Spirit. Because that if that is one thing that will block the Holy Spirit, it's those kind of things. So get those things sorted out. Just, just come before God and say, God, just help me. I've been hurt, but I pray you help me to forgive and to release that person. Pray blessing on the one who's hurt you. You know, bless those who, who your enemies, bless them and, and bless them and pray blessing. And maybe it's hard at first, but you keep praying until you got it. And thank you, Lord. Let forgiveness flow. You know, and then you, you get your heart right. And wow, you're in a place to receive the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. You know, it's quite exciting when you read the Bible. It says how good and how pleasant it is for brothers, or it means sisters as well, to dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands the blessing. You know, on this Pentecost Sunday, you get a little prototype, as you do with many things, back in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. the dedication of the temple, Solomon's temple. In fact, it's, if you go back one verse, verse 12, it says, and with them 120. That's significant. There was 120 on the day of Pentecost. So 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Verse 13, 2 Chronicles 5. Indeed it came to pass, when the trumpeters and the singers were as one, to make one sound, we heard him praising and thanking the Lord. When they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Hallelujah. Wow. So even in the Old Testament, there they are praising one of God and boom, the Holy Spirit comes. That's what happens. Praise the Lord. Yes, worship, praise, blessing, prayer. Anything else? Well, hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. Jesus said in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be Filled. In John 7, Jesus at the great feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, he's at the last day, he says, 
Shout out the loud voice. Let him who's a thirst come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then John goes on to say, this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit who is not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Wow. So he's speaking about our experience, the spirit of receiving and being filled and bubbling up from inside and flowing out as we come thirsty before the living God. Praise the Lord. Yes, that's how we receive. Whether people lay hands on you or not. You know, sometimes we put the emphasis on people laying hands on, but I believe all the things I've said are the emphasis. If I have no problem if, if people are praising and worshiping and blessing and, and really expectant and thirsty. Wow, you hardly have to touch them and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what the emphasis is. Sometimes you put oh, let the pastor be the man of power for the hour and you know, deliver the goods. Well, yeah, we have to wait upon God and seek God as an excuse for not, but it's also very much about the receptivity of the heart to those who are coming. That's where it's at. Praise the Lord. Yes, receive and keep on receiving. Ephesians 5 says, be filled and keep being filled. Sing to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's the same emphasis. Keep worshiping. Get on. And if you're at home, put on those, those music, praise songs, anything to help you get there in the flow and, and just reaching out to God. Praise the Lord. So, thirdly, so I've told you the priority of Pentecost, the necessity of being filled, how to be filled, but what, what to expect? What to expect? Well, Pastor Luke's already read from Luke, from Luke Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Let's just go there again. Acts chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Here we are. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they're all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, oh God, God does the business of doing things suddenly. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. A sound like a rushing, mighty wind. Wow, the, the audible manifestation of the presence of God. Powerful. Manifestation of the presence of God. A rushing wind. Not a literal wind, but a wind. The Holy Spirit is often described as the ruach in Hebrew, the, the, the breath of God. In John 3, we read of the, when Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, the wind of the Spirit. Holy Spirit comes like wind. Oh, and as he blows, he moves in our heart. He makes us so aware of God. We hear God. It's not that we hear a voice that's in English or Welsh or any other language, but it's that there's a sense of God. That sense of God. It's that sense of God that draws and attracts people. It drew the crowds on that day. The, the wind, is something deep in their souls caused them to respond and come running to find out what was going on. The wind of God. And then go reading on, and um, a rushing wind. And then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Wow, if this, the wind is the audible, then fire is the visible manifestation of the presence of God. Wow, the fire of God. Fire. 
Fire speaks of, of purity. Fire speaks of passion. Fire speaks of power as well. Wow, don't you agree with me? We need purity. We need passion. We need power. Oh, we need the fire. We need the fire. Burn up the dross in me, O Lord. Give me a passion, a zeal for you and for your work. Let me move in power. Praise the Lord. Oh, a sound, a, a fire, and they're all filled. We've said it from, from Luke 24, it's a, they were all clothed with the Holy Spirit, the tangible presence of God. The tangible presence of God. His power, His presence. And then verse 4, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The vocal expression. Thank that God takes out of this tongue that can cause such damage. Say the wrong things, but God can take hold of it. A tongue that can control so much, God can take hold of it. God does that on the day of Pentecost and ever since too. Praise the Lord. They all spoke in different languages. What's this about? But when the Holy Spirit came upon people in the Old Testament, as he did, like the, the elders in the book of Numbers or even King Saul and others, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, it says that they prophesied. They prophesied. They spoke in the language of that time, the, the known language. But something's different about the New Testament. The Old Testament was just God speaking to one nation, speaking to Israel. But the New Testament is a change going to all the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. It's no longer just one nation, it's all nations in that sense. And, and so God says, okay, there's something different going to happen. So when they received, they began to speak in all kinds of languages. In fact, people who were there on the day of Pentecost could hear them speaking in their language, the wonderful works of God. Praise the Lord. Oh, don't despise speaking in tongues. It's a great sign. There's a great there's a world still to be reached. But more than that, that's important, but more than that, I believe tongues is so vital for our own prayer life. Do you have difficulty praying sometimes? Okay, we can use things like the Lord's Prayer, Psalm 23, the names of God I've taught before. We can still have difficulty, but thank God we can pray in the Spirit. You know, the Bible says we're the temples of God. We're the temples of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord is looking for temples of prayer. We know that with the cleansing of the temple story. And we can pray in the Spirit. Listen to these words. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Get that. Romans 8 and verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps. There he is, the helper again. In our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He makes intercession for saints according to the will of God. Hallelujah. Wow. Thank God we've got a helper to help us pray. We praise according to the will of God. Praying in the Spirit, praising the Spirit, the beautiful thing. 
Amen. So what else happened? Well, lastly, verse 14, Acts 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with eleven, raised his voice. They say, well, what's that saying? Well, if you read back in John's Gospel and all the Gospels, you find that Peter denied the Lord Jesus in front of a little maid. But here, the same man, filled with the Holy Spirit, stands before a great crowd. He stands before a great crowd. And wow, he speaks powerfully. A fear-filled man becomes a fire-filled messenger. Wow. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit did that for Peter. He can do that for you and for me. Maybe you feel, oh, I don't know, I can, can't really share. And I feel a bit shy and timid. Hey, the Holy Spirit can empower every one of us. In Acts 1 verse 8, you should be witnesses. You should receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and be witnesses to me, said Jesus. Witnesses, by the way, we live the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, we speak boldness in our words. It gives witness to the resurrection of Christ because the Holy Spirit does that. And by the way, we act. Moving out in the gifts of the Spirit, praying for the sick, having words of wisdom, knowledge, whatever. Wow, so much. We need the Holy Spirit. Yes, the priority of Pentecost. We need the Holy Spirit. How to receive? Well, worship and praise and blessing and prayer, expectancy. What happens? God comes in power. The wind of the Spirit, the fire of the Spirit. He clothes us. We speak in a new language. Wow, we're witnesses for Jesus. Powerful witnesses for Jesus. We need him. We need him. Let's pray together. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, on this Pentecost Sunday, Holy Spirit. You're among us. You're with us. And right now, we open our hearts to you. We surrender our lives in worship and we begin to love you and praise you. And say, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, upon your people. Fill every one of us to overflowing that we might be powerful witnesses for Jesus. And having received, Lord, show us the importance of keeping on receiving that we might be a spirit-filled people ministering your love, your life, your name, to all those around us, in Jesus' name, amen.